You know, as we read throughout the story of the life of Christ, we find that people would gather, just like we're gathering tonight, to hear him teach. And they would come hoping to hear some word or wisdom. Sometimes they would come with someone else who invited them. But so many times what they didn't realize is even though they might have been coming to learn and listen, that they were about to have an encounter with a living God that was going to change and transform them for the rest of their life. So that's what I want us to pray into as we move forward in the rest of the service. That for those of you here who aren't just supposed to learn and listen, but you're supposed to have an encounter. You're supposed to meet with a living God who loves you, who cares for you, who knows your name and knows how to touch and heal things inside of you that you didn't even know were broken. Father, I pray for every person that's here tonight that's supposed to have an encounter with you. And I pray for the moments that are forthcoming where they're going to have an opportunity to to respond to your nudge, to to your prompting. Just as it was 2,000 years ago in crowds just like this, sometimes you ask them to be conspicuous and they had to endure that feeling of being seen to break through for the encounter that was waiting for them. And I pray for every person here tonight who's going to feel that nudge of their heart that they would find the courage and the boldness to step in. No matter who they are, no matter what their title no matter what their reputation, no matter who they think other people think that they are, that if there is a push from you on the inside that is undeniable, I pray that they would step into that moment. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said, amen. I can invite you to find your seat. Come on, can you say thank you to the worship team? So good. Hey, before I get, I've got a couple of giveaways I want to do tonight, but I just want to get onto your schedule Wednesday night, the Virginia Unity Project. I think there's a slide that was before this. There you go. There's an event that's coming up. I'm a part of a group of pastors called the Virginia Unity Project, and it's a group of diverse pastors, and we're meeting together on a regular basis. We pray together on a regular basis, and we're trying to bring unity amongst the diverse churches that are here in the peninsula. And one of the ways that we do that is that we just gather together to worship together. And so Chris House, who's our worship leader, is going to be leading it uh, this coming Wednesday night. So if you've got kids in RC, you can drop them off here, and then you can meet us there. You with me? And we're going to have a great time worshiping together. And so I hope uh, that you're going to be able to join us. We're going to be there, and I hope that I see you there with us as well. So, hey, I've got a couple of giveaways. One is to Nicole Franks, first time in video announcements. Is she still in here? There she is. Come on. Way to go, Nicole. Nice work up there. Come on, that's a lot of pressure doing that, right? And this is for Elise Baldwin, five-year anniversary with the City Life Church. I know, it seemed like just yesterday, right? So good. As you know, Elise has been with us part-time for a long time, but uh, we did a job share with North Riverside Baptist Church, and so when they closed their doors and gifted this property to us, which if you're visiting, we're in the midst of that story. It's incredible. Uh, In May, that uh, she became a full-time employee of the City Life Church. So she is the church's new, uh, new, the church's new business administrator. And so she keeps us all straight. Keeps us all straight. So come on, I'm excited for this series. If you were with us last week, as we've already alluded to, celebrating our Legacy Weekend, 
uh, but it was also the launch of a new sermon series entitled Why Do Be, and we're going to be breaking that down. I'll give you a little bit of an intro a little bit later, and then each week we're going to be talking about a certain part uh, of that saying that we're introducing to you or introduced to you last week. So, But as you know, we like a little participation here at City Life. Makes our visitors nervous, but that's okay. We're all right with that. So we've done this this uh, participation moment before. I think it was about a year ago, and uh, some of the answers just are, are, are just riotously funny. So, so your your go to hiding place when you play hide and seek growing up. What was your go to hiding place? Like if you were with friends and you knew like the, the game was on and you did not want to be found, where was the place that you would hide, Sabra? Behind the AC unit outside. All right. Freeze tag. That was your freeze tag spot. Somebody else? Your go-to hiding place? Anybody? Go-to hiding place? Garland? What's that? The feed shed. The woodshed was for spanking and the feed shed was for hiding, right? Yeah. The closet. Yeah. Somebody else? Underneath that, like in the crawl space? <laughs> That's awesome. That's great, Raven. Under the bed? Under the bed. Did anybody ever find you in the crawl space? No? All right. Nathaniel's like, where's your brother? He's in here somewhere. He's like, that's where he was. Under the car. Under the car? All right. All right. That's a little risky. In, In the dumpster. Why am I not surprised, right? Marvin, the adventurer of us all. Yeah. Jamal. When you can fit under the kitchen sink. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> There's a small window of time when that worked. All right, here we go. In a deep corner of your closet. Under the fit in the cabinet. Under your mom and dad's bed sheets. Crawling the bed, right? They just look like a pillow in there. My mom's closet. Your mom's closet. Parents' closet. You guys paying attention to this? Parents, right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Behind the toilet. Oh, oh. Wow, that is commitment. You find out who your competition people are in moments like this. You with me? In trees and under bushes. Come on. I know for me, when a long time ago, when I was really thin, not anymore, and uh, that we had a hall linen closet that's, you know, it's only like this shallow, right? You open the door and then the shelves are right there. And I used to be so skinny that I could turn my feet sideways and I could fit into the gap between the door and the linen closet and pull it shut. And I would, you know, just, they wouldn't work today unless it had a really different kind of door on the hinge. But, but that was the play and no one ever found me in that place. I, I like this idea of hide and seek because in life, especially our spiritual lives, people tend to hide in plain sight. They're present, they're present, but on the inside, they're hiding. And something deep inside of them longs to be found. Listen to these verses in Luke 15, 1 through 3. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now the implication is that they're there right now. You tracking with me? It's not that they sometimes come, it's that they always came and they're present right now in this moment. Now this made the Pharisees and the teachers of, other, of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Again, we're in Luke 15, beginning in verse 1. I'm through verse 2. And it says, even not only did he hang out with them, but he would, he would even break bread with them and share a meal with them. 
So Jesus told them this story. Now, I love these first three verses because it reminds us that even when you feel lost, you can be present. Because there is a difference between your physical position and your heart condition. You might physically be present, but on the inside, you couldn't be more lost. There's a difference between your physical position and your spiritual condition. And these people that the Bible refers to as notorious sinners, it's not as though they're somewhere else and Jesus is saying we need to go and find them. You can find that in Scripture too. And that's how we're often taught these parables. But I think Jesus had something different in mind. I think Jesus was saying, hey, you can be here on the outside, but you couldn't be farther away on the inside. And the reason why they're present, even though people don't realize that on the inside they're absent, is because there was a longing inside of them that they want to feel found. So Jesus tells us these three stories. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me. Because I have found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. I think so many times we've been taught this parable and read this parable with the idea that the lost is always someone who's not there. And that can be true. And I'm not saying these parables can't speak to that to a degree, but I think in some ways that's secondary. I think what primarily Jesus is saying is don't forget the lost are often present in your midst. It's hard to tell sometimes because they, they're saying all the right things. They're doing all the right things. But on the inside... They're just like the sheep, and they've wandered away. And something deep inside of them longs to be found again. Listen to verse 8, the parable of the lost coin. Jesus is doubling down. He's going to give it to him one more time, but he switches it up. He says, how about a woman? Has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and her neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. There is a difference between your physical position and your heart's condition. For some of you tonight, your physical position is here at church but the condition of your heart is far away. And God says you can have a feeling of being found, and there's nothing like it in all the world. So he's told the story of the sheep. He tells the story of the coin, and then he goes into a much longer story. I'm just going to give you a synopsis because it's a chunk to read. If you've never read it, you can keep reading in Luke 15 later, but it's the story of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal doesn't mean wayward. Prodigal means excessive. I think it was, it was David and I or Juice and I were talking this week about Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal God. If you've never read that, it's a, it's a book on this parable. You should read it. 
Because it talks about the most excessive person in the story is not the son who gave himself to wayward living. It's the grace that came from the father beyond what was deserved, prodigal. But in this story, this young fella comes to his dad and says, hey, I can't wait for you to die. I want my inheritance now. Right? So the father gives it to him. Now, in Jesus' day, how the inheritance would have been divided, because he's not the oldest son, there were two sons, is the inheritance would have been divided into three parts, because the oldest son gets an extra part, because now they're supposed to be the head of the family. So the father would not have divided the inheritance into, into, into two for he and his son. He would have divided it into three, and he would have given the youngest son his third. The Bible tells us the son takes his money and he leaves and he moves out and then he gives himself to riotous living. He just lives one big party one day after another until all the money is gone. Then a famine hits the land. He finds himself homeless and a beggar on the street and he realizes that I would be better off as a servant in my father's house than where I am now. So he musters the courage, swallows his pride. He goes home. And he kneels before his father and he begs for his forgiveness. And his father takes him back. Now the brother, on the other hand, he's a little upset. You know why the brother is upset? Because now he knows that one day his father is still going to pass away. And the two-thirds that's left will be divided again into thirds. And now the brother has not only been invited back into the house, he's been invited back into the family, which now he's been invited back into the inheritance. And money that would have been intended for the older brother is now going to go to him. Now that's another sermon for another time, but that's how it so often happens in churches. When all of a sudden they get a passion and an appetite to reach the lost, there is a sense of money that was going to be given to ministries that I was interested in. Attention that people were going to give to me is now going to be given to them. And God's trying to help us to understand there's more than enough of him to go around for us all. These parables are speaking to God's heart for the lost, but it's also speaking to us about how they can be found. How they can be found. Now last week we talked about how we're doubling down here at City Life on our emphasis for seeking and saving the lost. We introduced to you a new mission statement to build the church that Jesus envisioned to love the world he died to save. We've been working on this for about a year and praying through it. It was a soft launch through our website just to give you some, some exposure to it. But then we taught on it at length and in depth last week. So if you weren't here, if you call this your church home, you've got to go listen to that podcast. The content of that message will probably be the content of our welcome weekends in the coming year. We're just going to keep coming back to it over and over again. We introduced this slide to you, which is kind of the diagram of how all of this works. We're not going to work through all of it tonight because we did that last week. But in this series, we're going to spend a week on each box. And the first box is why. Answering the question of why Jesus came. And we find that in Luke 19 where he says, I came to seek and to save the lost. And so tonight we're talking about our passion and our desire for Jesus' why to become our why. But we don't want to just talk about the lost being found. We want to create moments where they can experience it. So I was at work Thursday afternoon. Got a call from Vanessa. Vanessa. And she said, uh, 
hey, the boys want to go ride their, uh, their skateboards down in Virginia Beach. I said, all right. That sounds good to me. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. She said, Derek doesn't get off work till like 9.30. So they're not going to be down there. See, David's already laughing, right? They're not going to get down there, Fred, until like 10 o'clock. I'm like, okay. She's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> She's like, they're not going to get down there at 10 o'clock, so they're going to be down there skateboarding till like midnight in Virginia Beach on the boardwalk. And I was like, I know. She's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> then they're going to be driving home from Virginia Beach after midnight. Then when I get home to like 1 in the morning, I was like, I know. Then we just, she started laughing, and she said, you know, I just, I just want them to keep building crafts with popsicle sticks at the kitchen table. <laughs> right? It's a mother's heart. You want your, chil- your children to be home. You want them to be safe. So our oldest is 19, right? And Ethan's getting ready to turn 17. And so they got with a few of their friends and I gave them a few, few ground rules and, and some remember this and remember that and don't do this and don't do that. And so they went out and they had a great time. And so, but part of the deal was that I got to stay up until they at least got back to their cars, right? That was the deal. That was the, neg- you got to negotiate. Husbands, you here? Can we just take a commercial break? Welcome to the City Life Church. Thank you. If you're married, you got to negotiate. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. So we negotiated, and the negotiation was, all right, I'll stay up until I get a text that they're back in the car and on, on their way home. So I was sitting out on our, uh, on our back deck, and uh, I was just hanging out, and I got the, the uh, computer out, and I was going to watch some Netflix, and so I was going to kind of, it, it takes you about 14 hours to find the show you want to watch, right, and then by the time you figure it out, you're too tired to do it, or the battery on your computer's died, and then you just have to go to bed, right? It's the Netflix prayer, right? God, show me, I want to find it right away, I want to find it right away. So I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling, and, and all of a sudden, I just feel this, this nudge, this, the nudge that some of you are going to feel later. I just felt this nudge that the Holy Spirit said, hey, let's talk about your sermon on Saturday. I was like, we already talked about that today. I'm, I, hey, this is, I, I, worked, I, I worked already today. It's crazy the conversations we have with God, right? And so I kept searching on Netflix, right? Because as your pastor, that's what I do. I'm disobedient. <laughs> and so I felt a little nudge. Hey, let's talk about your sermon. Yeah. Maybe this would be a great show to binge watch. Watching the trailer. I, I kid you not. I kid you not for 30 minutes. I was, it had been a long day. I was tired. I was tired. So after about 30 minutes, I felt again the Holy Spirit was like, are we going to talk about your sermon or not? It was as if he was saying to me, don't talk to me about how hard your job is. How hard do you think my job is? Working with knuckleheads like you. Just do what I say, will you? Right? It's the same thing we say to our kids, right? And then we're our kids to God all over again. So shut the computer, opened up my phone, and turned to Luke 15 and just started reading. I had a different idea about how this message was going to go. I had a different plan for what I wanted to do tonight. And and as I was reading, this this is what I felt like God whispered to my heart. For there are going to be lost people there on Saturday because there is a difference between your physical position and your heart's condition. And at some point, the church has to be both a place that talks about reaching the lost, but it also has to become a place where the lost have an opportunity to be found. 
And the lost are not always people who are outside the four walls of the church. I think this was Jesus' primary reason for giving us these three parables. Not that he doesn't care about people who are missing, but I think he's trying to say to us, I also care about the people who are present on the outside, but lost on the inside. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel lost. Maybe you feel far from God. Maybe you've been hiding in plain sight. It's interesting to me, which I've never noticed before in these parables, that every single one of them were with God before they were apart from him. Because we understand, right, that Jesus is the shepherd, he's the woman, he's the father. We understand he's that person in the story. The sheep used to be a part of the fold and now has wandered away. The sheep was with God before it was apart from God. The coin was with the woman before it was misplaced and lost. The coin was in the pocket before it was lost outside the pocket. And the son, the son, was at home before he was away. It's interesting, isn't it? Every single one of them, at some point, their position was being present but it doesn't necessarily mean the condition of their heart was found. And Jesus, I think, is saying to some of you tonight, that's you. That you've always thought of lost people in a different light. You've always thought of lost people who were those that aren't here. That you've always thought of lost people who didn't know about Christ, didn't know about church, or maybe have never made a vow of devotion to Christ, but you've never been willing to recognize the lostness that's in you. And Jesus is saying, I think through these parables, you need to be found too. So over the next several moments, I want to talk about each one of these and what I think they represent prophetically to us, the sheep and the coin and the sun. And there's going to be a moment for you to stand. Now I'm talking about it here so you can get ready for it then because some of you already feel the nudge in your heart now. And I get it. It's hard to be conspicuous. I get it. It's hard to be seen. But I would just encourage you if for any reason you feel a nudge for any one of these, even if you're not even sure why, if you feel that feeling in your heart of God saying, I want you to stand in this moment, I pray that you would find the courage to do it even if you're the only person that does it. And we're not going to ask you to do anything, go anywhere. We're just, we're just going to, in that moment, as people stand, we're just going to pray. And then we're going to move on to the next one. So let's talk about the sheep. The story of the sheep is interesting because I think the, the idea that's given to us, which is why he picks the sheep, and, and when you look into a little bit about what the shepherd's responsibility is, is that as the sheep are grazing, they're just focusing on what they're eating. And the next thing you know, if the shepherd is not vigilant, that the sheep is following the food. You with me? And then all of a sudden, that sheep finds themselves in a place that they didn't intend to be, and they look up, and they're all alone. The sheep doesn't find itself separated from the fold in a moment, in an instant. It's gradual. It takes place, and it could be that every now and then the sheep looks up and sees that he's still close enough. But at some point, it looks up and realizes it's far away. I think the imagery of the sheep that God is giving to us that sometimes in our spiritual journey 
our separation, the creation of the feeling of lostness, the feeling of being far from God just happens just a little at a time, a little at a time. It's, it's the person that used to come to church just about every week, but then all of a sudden it's just a few times a month, and then the next thing you know, after about a year or so, they're just showing up when they're serving, and then after about a year or so after that, they can't even remember why they're coming, and the next thing you know, they're just showing up every now and again. It's the person that used to read the Bible on most days, and then it got a little stale for whatever reason, or you were doing a Bible reading plan and got to the book of Leviticus, and you were like, ah, I can't do it, right? And so, so then you start reading just a few times a week, and then all of a sudden you're just reading once a week. And then all of a sudden, you're just picking it up once a month. And now you're at a place where you're not even sure where your Bible is. You open up your app, and it doesn't even work because it hasn't been updated in so long. Right? See, it's gradual. It's not as though you, the sheep wakes up one day and goes, okay, I'm moving on to something else. No, no, no. Just a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. You used to tithe. Now all of a sudden you realize there's other things that you could do with that by way of a standard of living. And so you cut it down a little bit, you cut it down a little bit more, and you cut it down a little bit more, and then all of a sudden there's no generosity flowing from you to the kingdom. You used to go to life groups. You used to enjoy worship. You're tracking with me? For some of you, this is your story. It could be that on the way to church tonight, you actually had the thought, I remember when, and you came in here tonight, And you're just getting a taste of what it used to be like. And it's just been this gradual, slow regression of your journey. And then here you are just feeling far from God and you're not even sure why. So this is what I want to do. If that's you and you know who you are, I just want to pray for you. I'm just going to invite you to stand where you are. If you would say, I've just been on this gradual journey. Come on. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Come on, somebody else. Just going to linger in this moment for a minute. Yeah. Feels good, doesn't it? Jesus. Somebody standing near you, I'm just going to invite you to gather around them where they are. See, somebody just pops up in the back there. Just find someone that's standing if you're close to them. Father, we pray for the people that stood up in this moment. We know, God, if we're not careful, church can just be a place that becomes an exchange of ideas, but we don't want to be a church that's just an exchange of ideas. We want to be a church where people have an encounter with the living God. So I pray for every person that just stood right now in Jesus' name, that there would be a moment inside of them where they don't feel lost anymore, but they feel found. It's like it was for the sheep when it looked up and there was the shepherd picking it up carrying it back to the fold. I pray that they would have a sense right now, Jesus, of your embrace, of you knowing their name, of you changing the feeling of their heart from one who was lost but now was found, that their heart's condition, come on, is going to match their physical position, that they're not just going to be present in person, but they're going to be present in spirit, that in their heart, they're going to feel closer to you in this moment. We know you can do it. Come on, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, can you say thank you to some people that had some courage? Let's talk about the coin. Let's talk about the coin. 
Jesus is just, right? We know he's divine, but the ones he picked, it's just genius. Because the coin is different from the sheep and the son. Because a coin doesn't have the capacity to walk away. A coin gets misplaced. A coin is at the mercy of the one who possesses it. A coin is at the mercy of whoever it's been entrusted to for its care. So the only way that a coin gets lost is if someone neglects it. And for some of you, that's your journey. For some of you, that's your story. Is that at some point in your church experience and in your church life, you were a part of a church community that misplaced you and neglected you in some way. Somebody disappointed you. Somebody offended you. You saw somebody else being mistreated and that left a bad taste in your heart. You found yourself in an environment where you literally might have said, if this is what Christianity is, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. And you were justified in that feeling and right to say it because that's not what Christianity is. And you did well to distance yourself from it. But the problem is oftentimes when we're wounded, and if any of us, myself included, have been around church for any amount of time, we're going to get wounded because we're with people and people are broken. The question is whether or not you choose to stay in that place of brokenness or to avail yourself to the one who is able to heal so you can be back into community again. For some of you, you feel disconnected and you feel lost because there's just this lingering sense of something that happened to you a long time ago. It could be that it was through your parents. They pretended to be one thing when they were at church, but then they were somebody completely different at home, and you were exposed to hypocrisy your whole life. And you might be present tonight, and you might actually be involved, but deep inside you feel lost and disengaged because this brokenness and this hurt and this disappointment is an open wound that's inside of you. You're like the coin that was misplaced and neglected. And Jesus says, I can heal that part of your heart. I can give you the courage to forgive. I can give you the courage to hope and believe again that not every church is going to be like that church and not every spiritual leader is going to be like that spiritual leader. And not every person who professes Christianity lives a life of duplicity. For some of you, there's a barrier between you and being able to engage because you're afraid of being disappointed again. There's something inside of you. You hear about these life groups and, and you're cautious and you have reason to be cautious because you're saying to yourself, the last time I made myself vulnerable, it didn't turn out so well. It could be that it's because you shared a secret and that secret was shared with others. Oh, there's a lot of things that happen in churches that cause us to feel like the coin neglected and misplaced when it was supposed to be a place of healing. But God doesn't want you to stay like that. He wants you to find your way back into community. He wants you to have a sense of being found by the one that you belong to, and that's your creator. So this one's for you. If that resonates for you in any way, if you know that there's disappointment in your past from church experiences, and you know that's creating a barrier for you to really engage in the way that you're supposed to, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're just going to pray, just like we did just now. If that's you, I invite you to stand. Come on. Oh, we know there's more than just that. Thank you. Come on, it's good. It's good. Come on, if there's people standing, find your way. Let's pray. 
Father, we pray for the people that are standing right now, for the hurts and the wounds that are there that create a barrier for intimacy and community. And we say in Jesus' name, come on, let healing come. Even now, God, let there just be a release. Even now, God, we know that for some of them, they've just been holding all of this in for so long that, God, this would just be a moment where they're just laying it down and letting it go. Oh, the feeling of being set free from the bitterness that we harbor in our hearts, that we weren't even responsible for putting there to begin with. Father, I pray for grace and mercy to flow. I pray, Father, forgiveness to come. And I pray, God, for hope to rise in their heart that their future experience is not going to be determined by their past experience. That there is community where they can trust. There are relationships that are going to be deep. There are going to be people that they can confide in. That there are going to be people that they can find who are not perfect, but yes, they are authentic in every way. We pray that tonight for everyone that's standing, that they're going to feel found, that their physical position and their heart condition are going to align. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together, amen. Come on. (laughs) Applaud for some courage. Feels good, doesn't it? The son, this is a different story. A completely different story. This is my story. I, 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 I was praying through this, and I hadn't thought about this in a long time. I have such a distinct memory of when I was in middle school. We had a pool. We lived in a, a one-story rancher. We had a, a pull-down attic, and uh, still there. My mom still lives in the house that I grew up in, and, and, and in the pull-down attic, me and my buddies, we had this like little, before man cave was a thing, we had one up there. We did. We had this little round carpet, and it was like green and black, and when I think about it, it was the colors of the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know what was going on, right? I know, hey. And, and, and so we, we, we had this little carpet up there, and we, and we had a, a little nightstand, and we had a little 13-inch black and white television. I know, with a knob and an antenna. You guys don't know what any of those things are, I know. A knob and an antenna, and we had our Atari, oh yeah, hooked up to that little black and white TV. Pong and Tank and, oh yeah, breaking it out old school. And then I was a really active part of my church youth group, and so I had a little, I had a little Bible up there. I remember this little, this, 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 this red leather-bound Bible that I just, I just kept up there. And sometimes I would go up to play video games. We had sleepovers. We'd go up there and hang out and play and have fun and play games. And, and, uh, but sometimes I would go up there and I would read my Bible as a little boy. And I remember hearing stories about how people would just open the Bible and point and read, and it, and it would speak to them. And I hadn't had this thought in a long time, but, but, but I did. I was, I, was, I was up there, and I opened it up, closed my eyes, and I just pointed, and it was pointed right to the story of the parable of the prodigal son. And I read it, and, and I knew what God was saying to me. At some point in your future, you're going you're gonna to walk away from all the things that you believe to be true. But you know what else he was saying to me? Is that you're going to come home. Even as this little boy, God was just helping me to understand that I would come back. So all those years that I was on the run, all those years I was living an ugly life, 
Can I, just, can I just tell you, every time my kids call up and they want to go skateboarding in Virginia Beach on the Bullrock, I'm like, I'm all for it because I was doing something really different when I was their age. You tracking with me? I was like, come on, skateboarding. Praise the Lord. You keep at it. It's awesome. So all those years that I was on the run, living an ugly, ugly life. I had this little piece inside of me that God spoke to me when I was a little boy. You're not going to stay gone forever. And for some of you, that's your story tonight. You're not a sheep that's gradually wandered away. You're not a coin that's been misplaced. That you're the one that just says, I think it's just going to be a better time to do it on my own. And something deep inside of you is coming to the realization that all of that was a lie. Just as I did, that you're coming to the realization that all the things that God says no to, it's not because he's trying to rob us of a good time, it's because he's trying to protect us from settling for less. And the greatest adventure you could ever have in this life is a life headlong into following Christ in full devotion. The greatest adventure you're ever going to know is on the road following Christ. And anything that seems like it's going to be more fun that takes you off of that road, I'm telling you, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Now, this was a tough one because in some way, the sheep and the coin, they're, they're, like, they're victims of their circumstance. Oh, but not the son. This is the story of the one who has a heart of rebellion and says, I'm going to do it my own way. And it was for me, as maybe it is for some of you, that I started my journey of running away long before I left. Long before I left. It started with just a life of duplicity. It started with being the person that people thought I should be, but being someone else until it finally culminates right into this full-blown picture of rebellion. Now, I, I get it. This is a hard one to stand up on because for some of you, it's your way of saying, I've got one foot out the door and I want to get it back in. And I think to myself, what would it have been like for me in those early years in a service just like this, if someone had spoken to me, could it have made a difference? I don't know the answer to that question. But I know that if it's someone here tonight, we're going to do what we can to make a difference in your life. And it could be, listen to me, there's a second part to this. It could be that, that you used to be the one that was on the run like me. And now you're back, you're all in with Christ. But you wrestle with shame. You're present, you're committed, you're loving God and going after Him, but you're ashamed of the things that you used to do. And that shame is causing you to believe a lie that you've got to hold back because you're not good enough. When that son came home, the father didn't say, well, you're going to have to enter into a probationary period as a servant. And you work over there and you earn your way back into the family. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Because that's not what Jesus is about. <laughs> the ring goes back on his finger. The family cloak goes back over the shoulders. He once was lost, but now he's found. There's not a probationary period. He gets the full rights and the full privileges of being the son from day one. So for some of you, you're going to need to stand because it's a moment of confession. And if that's why you're standing, I'm trusting that you're going to find some people that you can trust and you're going to share that with them. And if you can't find anybody, you come talk to me. And for some of you, you're going to stand, not because it's a moment of confession. You've already worked through that. But it's you saying, I'm tired of dealing with the shame of my yesterday, and I want to get on with my future. So if that's you, either one of those, just stand where you are. Come on. We're going to pray for you. Come on. It's good. It's good. Come on. If there's people popping up around you, let's gather around. We're going to pray. Father, I pray for every person that's standing right now. If this is their moment of confession, I pray, God, that this is going to be a true moment of repentance for them, that they're going to turn around and they're just going to start living their life in a completely different direction. They're going to say no to compromise. And they're going to say yes to you. They're going to bring their life under the submission of the full counsel of Scripture. Passion-filled, moment-by-moment governing, life devoted to Christ. That tonight's going to be the turning point. They're going to remember the day. This is going to be the moment. They're going to remember there was that Saturday night in September of 2019 where I turned around and I headed back home. I pray, God, that their feet would never again walk down the path that they've been in that their shadow would never again be cast on the streets where they've walked, that this day would mark the turning point of moving forward for the rest of their life. And for the people that are struggling with shame, I pray that they would hear you filling the heavens with a shout that you are forgiven. And when there is the whisper of the memory that always comes, The shout of the forgiveness of Christ is going to be deafening and always louder still. That there is a new day and a new hope and a new future and a new way of living. Even now, I just have a sense that some of you just, you feel lighter. You feel lighter because the weight of the burden of that shame has just, just, you're just throwing it down. I pray, Father, that the self-condemnation, the self-talk, the ugly things that for some of them, they've been speaking over themselves. But I pray that you're going to give them a new speech to declare over themselves. You're going to give them new words to speak over themselves. That out of the overflow of their heart, their mouth would speak of the hopefulness of the days to come. Not forgetting the past. Not forgetting the past but letting it fuel their passion for the person that they now want to be and the lost people that they're now going to go and reach. Come on, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, come on. Let me just give you these three quickly. I know we're running short on time, but I don't care.
Let me just give you these, and then I want to just I want to I want to hit one more point. These 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 are important because we don't want you to just feel found. We want you to stay found. Tracking with me? There's a difference between being found, but it's something else to stay found. It's something else for the sheep to be brought back to the fold, but it's something else for the sheep to choose to stay there. It's something else, right, for the coin to be rescued and healed, but we're trusting and believing that it's not going to be neglected again. There's something else for the son to come home, but it's something else for him to stay there. And can, can I just encourage you that if you want to have a sense of staying found by God, then you've got to share time and space with him. So I'm just giving you, th- I'm going to give you three practical things tonight. You just got to open your Bible again. I'm not saying, you, I, it frustrates me when people say you got to read your Bible every day. Because I, I think that's an impossible goal for most people. The goal you should set for yourself is read it most days. If you read your Bible most days, you'll read it for the rest of your life. Read it for the rest of your life. Read it most days. Read it most days. If you don't know where to start, start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you get through all of that, I'll give you something else. Right? Start there. It's a great place to start. Just most days, spend the time reading the Gospels. When you're opening up the Bible, you're not opening up a book for information. You're creating a moment for an encounter with the living God who wants to come and meet with you. Don't think of the Bible as a time of study. That can come later. It's a time for sharing, to be in the presence of your Father. If you're going to stay found, right, every, it's not just about being found by God, it's about being found by God's people. The sheep, it's important in the story. We're supposed to be with other sheep. The coin was supposed to be with other coin. The son was supposed to be with a family. They weren't just restored to this personal relationship, they were restored to community. So you've got to be willing to gather. You've got to make coming to church. If this is your home church, then find the one that you call home, but you've got to be there. You've got to show up. Life groups, you've got to be present. It's how you go from being found to staying found. And this last one, this is important, accountability. These are three of our 12 pathways. If you don't know what that is, get one of those green books. They're free. Ask somebody in a blue shirt. You've got to be found by God. You've got to be found by God's people. You've got to be found by God's way. You've got to get to a place in your journey where you begin to realize as you open up this book where you're living your life one way, but God says to do it this way, you just have to change. You just have to say, I'm going to do it his way. It's bringing your life under the submission of the full counsel of Scripture. For all of us who didn't stand, listen to this. The shepherd and the woman and the father are given to us by Jesus in these parables to show us how the character of Christ in us determines whether or not people want to be found by us. This is important. The shepherd and the woman and the father are given to us, it's on the screen, are given to us by Jesus in these parables to show us how the character of Christ in us determines whether or not people want to be found by us. So many times people want to be found by the church because what they believe the church is. Let's be something different. Let's be something different here at the City Life Church. The sheep will only go back to the shepherd who's kind and merciful and gentle and faithful. The coin only wants to belong to the woman who's fervent and hopeful and persevering and believing. The son only wants to return to the father who's patient and forgiving and honorable and wise. Remember the journey of becoming like Christ personally ultimately determines the community we have together. Every church is the sum of its parts. Are we more like Christ because of you? 
Because who we are affects whether or not people who are lost want to be found here at 311 Selden Road. Stand with me as we pray. Father, as we go back into this moment of worship, Father, not only do I pray that you would just continue to do a a work in the hearts of those that stood, but oh God, do a work in those of us who didn't. Because even if we're not the sheep, even if we're not the coin, even if we're not the son, what you're saying to us is you're not the only one who is a shepherd and a woman and a father. That each of us are that to other people in times and moments because you've called us to be your hands and your feet. So help us to be a people of virtue. Help us to be a people who love one another because we know in the end, that's how in this world, that you're high and lifted up so that all people would be drawn to yourself. In Christ's name, come on, let's worship together.